Hey there, I'm Jo, and this is Looking Outside. Join me and some of the most influential and original thinkers in business and beyond as we explore fresh takes on familiar topics. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Looking Outside. Today, we are talking about profitable good, how we sustain our goals to do better and to sustain our businesses. And we're doing that with someone who does that every day. Welcome to the show, Justin Kmine. Thank you for having me. Let's start by you telling everyone a little bit about yourself and all of the good that you do. So Justin Kmine, I'm one of the co-CEOs of Do Good Foods. Um, and Do Good Foods is really pioneering a large-scale infrastructure solution to solving what we deem as one of the biggest problems in the food system, food waste. So we work with many of the major retailers and we have a first of its kind state-of-the-art production facility where we are able to upcycle all of that surplus grocery food. So we actually maintain the cold chain, collect all of the food from supermarkets and convert it into a nutriently consistent dried animal feed. So our whole family's background is that we've been building infrastructure now for about 35 years to the tune of about $4 billion. And uh, about five years ago is when we started off on that journey to help solve food waste and build a scalable and, to your point, a profitable solution for some of the biggest environmental problems. And to most importantly, as we've been on this journey, it was really emphasized to empower the consumers to be a part of the solution, to provide products that they know and that they love, to not ask them to change their habits to recognize the reality and the significance of the overall agriculture market and to truly bring sustainability to scale in an easy and affordable and accessible way for all. Amazing. And I I love that you're pulling the consumer into that as well. So there's obviously an element of what you actually create, like the solutions that you're creating for people to make choices, but also making people a part of that. So aware of the problems, but then also able to action them without like you said, kind of having to really change their day-to-day habits. Was that kind of the starting point of creating Do Good Foods is, is thinking about how do you swap the solutions that people are you know using and used to to make it easy for them? Yeah, so I think it was, uh, I can't say that it was a core thesis when we first started the kind of initiative. We wanted to really take a large-scale infrastructure approach to solve a problem. And it kind of became very apparent and aware to us that by picking up the food waste for free from supermarkets, we saved them a lot of money and we needed a vehicle for, in this case, a chicken to go back onto the retail shelf to create that closed loop system. And the chicken's really that solution to drive more and more food waste savings as quick as we can eat a piece of chicken. And if it's priced the same and tastes the same, then the quicker we get to solve food waste. Most importantly, when you look at it from a closed loop system, it becomes one of the most profitable solutions. Pick up their food waste for free. They make a standard retail margin on a standard piece of chicken. All of a sudden, you're talking about economics followed by sustainability. I mean, the fact that 40% of the food that gets grown gets thrown away is a tragedy, right? We use 20% of our land to grow crops that we simply throw away. If food waste was a country, it would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter. This is a massive, massive problem. And yet, when you look at that from the consumer's lens, 90% of people are raising their hands saying, what can I do to help? Just don't ask me to change my habits and don't ask me to pay a lot more. 
And, and that's wow. what's so powerful and so unique about what we have now brought to market. It's that quantification of doing good, where each Duga mm-hmm. chicken saves four pounds of surplus grocery food and three pounds of greenhouse gases. That's tangible, it's real, it's here, and it's making climate change real for us all, and yet making it accessible to be a net positive contributor. Yeah, definitely. And I really like how you said before that the end consumer, myself included, sort of asks the industry, let's say, or innovators to create the solutions that don't have to require a change in my own behavior. So don't ask me to change my habits is what you said. I feel like that's very also relevant as a statement for businesses where businesses say, don't ask me to change the way that I operate my business. So how do you bring the two things together where you are creating something that's that's quite transformative, but also doesn't require you to throw out your business structure? Yeah, well, and, and that's largely predicated upon our backgrounds of working with many of these largest companies across the United States in various forms in energy and telecom and renewables. And now this real focus on the food weights and sustainable agriculture. And so it's really about, first and foremost, it's an economic decision. Then it's about improving store logistics and hygiene and actually fitting into what you're, you just mentioned, the existing operations of a business. Um, saying don't change here it is it's just going to be slightly better and slightly more efficient um, and then it's the engagement of all of us knowing and recognizing that what we are doing collectively together is the right usage and maximization of those nutrients um, that's a really powerful kind of closed loop system within just the back of the production or back of the retailer from when you kind of come through kind of our facility we're upcycling close to 160 tons of surplus grocery food every single day. And so then what we've now done as well is then link it right to, to your point, to the consumers and kind of empower them to be a part of the solution. And it's not just consumers at the retail at lot levels. It is also at the food service levels where you'll, you'll start to see do good chicken called out on menu. You'll start to see it at many of the major QSR restaurants. The, the chicken sandwich that helps save the world. If it's um, priced the same and tastes the same, why wouldn't you now do good? And that's yeah. a really powerful statement of why wouldn't we now do it? If it's the right thing, it's at scale. It's not asking any big company to change their supply chain or to do something different. Yes. And I think what you're doing is amazing. I just want to put a disclosure here that while Justin mentioned QSR, this is not sponsored by McDonald's. <laughs> I just reached out to Justin because I saw what he was doing and I thought it was incredible. And then I wanted to to share it. And particularly that element that you're talking about where you're putting economics first. So you said economics followed by sustainability and really making decisions based on an economic model, what's going to be sustainable, right? So if you make decisions based purely on sustainability without balancing it with that business profit equation, then it's not going to sustain itself, right? It's going to fall through the cracks. Absolutely. I mean, our our whole thesis as a family is that in order to have the greatest impact in the world, you got to make it profitable for everyone. And thereby, Mm -hmm. then you can have the greatest impact in the world. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's a really powerful statement. And we also come at it as environmental realism. We understand, Mm -hmm. I mean, we've been in the, the energy business, we've been in the telecom space, we've been in the renewables, and now we're in sustainable agriculture. But it's also the recognition of truly how big these systems are. 
We're not going to all change over to doing one thing or the other thing. That's not the reality of consumers. The reality of consumers is that most people don't care. And most people are worried about just putting food on their table, going through their day, and focus on that. And so it was a big recognition as myself and our family and our journey through this of how do we even talk about our brand to the consumers? How do we talk about the solution to our consumers? And how do we make everyone feel a part of it, but yet do it in a way that is just easily attainable? And I think that's this next iteration of sustainability. It is really becoming a part of society, recognizing and becoming a part of the current systems. And every day we can get a little bit better and improve the current systems while we are actively creating the next iteration of them as well. Right. And I like that too, because you're not talking about like, this is the ultimate solution. It's an evolution of our industry, but evolving it in a way that can, I guess, like scale a lot more quickly, right? Because then you're opening, hopefully, the eyes and the minds of other corporations to be able to make similar changes that then impacts the entire industry. Absolutely. I, I want to use our food system and what Do Good Foods is all about is actually showcasing to the world that we can use our food system to solve our environmental problems. And the only reason we're in this environmental problem, this climate change catastrophe, is because resources are going down, population is going up, and there's a tremendous inefficiency in the middle. And until we create and resurrect that equation and actually now be a net positive in the world, we're all screwed. And so therefore, how do we use consumerism to our benefit? The reason we're in climate change problems and resource depletion problems is because of consumerism. Let's now use that to actually be a positive in the world and actually solve climate change problems by empowering consumers to just do what they do best, consume, consume, consume. And in fact, the quicker you do consume now the certain right products, the quicker we solve these environmental problems. <laughs> right. I like that consumerism to our benefit. And the inefficiency in the middle, I think that's really important. And maybe, oh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe a lot of people don't realize that, that you know, we say that there are a lot of people who can't afford food or that have, we have a, you know, a poverty problem, but we do make enough food to feed the world. It's just that it is so much of it gets like to your point before it gets wasted and not just wasted in households, but wasted in the, in the infrastructure systems that we have. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's a lot of companies kind of focus on each aspect of this, this kind of major food problem. To your point, we do grow enough food to feed the world. Um, and it's a tragedy that we still have, even in this country, the United States, we still have a lot of people going hungry. And that weighs on me and our company and our what we do every day. It, it should be a right that people are able to be fed the right and healthy nutrients. Mm -hmm. And so to your point, there's a tremendous amount of inefficiency at the farm level. And that's why you see a lot of these kind of ugly produce companies that are doing an amazing job of kind of making the farmers get actually get more money for the, pro the produce that they do grow and to showcase oh. to the consumers that an apple is an apple, right? It might have a little slight different in color or a, a carrot might have a bend to it. This perfect aesthetics that we are now used to as a consumer isn't the reality of our farm system. And it's about making that additional connection where so many people across the United States, we all used to grow up on a farm. We used to pull carrots out of the ground and say, oh, okay, well, this is still a carrot. It's still delicious. It's still giving me everything I want. It just might look a little different. 
the last stat that I saw was that one out of every five people in the United States has actually even seen a cow. There is wow. such a disconnect between the food that we purchase, the food that we consume three times a day, and the actual farmers that grow the crops and or the animals and what that truly means to be a farmer these days. Mm-hmm. And I think that disconnect then is, is showcased at the retailers, right? Mm-hmm. You as a consumer walk into any supermarket at any time throughout the year and you get access to every single product in the United mm-hmm. States. There is no seasonality anymore on a massive level. And if you don't get all of the products that you want, you're probably walking across the street to another supermarket <laughs> that probably has all of the products, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's once again, understanding the reality of the food system, that's not going to change anytime soon, right? Mm-hmm. From a consumer's lens. And mm-hmm. so how do we actually work with that? My, my sole focus as a company is to solve environmental problems as quick as possible. And mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the lens that we take. And that's the, the humility of we, we don't come from the agriculture space. We're doing things at a size and a scale that is monumental. And it's really embracing and understanding how do we change the current systems and empower consumers to now truly be a part of the solution and be a part of that mission and link the consumers back to the farm and the value creation of the food that we actually have. Mm. There's so much powerful stuff in what you said just then. I have like six points that I wrote down that I want to ask you about. One of them was the the point that you mentioned early on about our expectation to be able to get what we want, when we want it, wherever we want it, whether it's frozen and shipped from the other side of the world or you know, it's the the shape of the raspberry that I'm used to. So there was, um, it reminded me of this program that was on in Australia in 2017 called The War on Waste. And it, I think that was the first time in Australia anyway, when I was there, when people were kind of opening their eyes to how big of a problem this is. And it, it really shone a light on the retailer and the consumer and the fact that we, so for example, they had, um, they went to a banana farmer. And the farmer said, well, I have to throw all of these bananas out because they're too big. The retailer has a specific requirement that bananas look a certain way if they're a little bit bent, to your point, or if they're too large. I mean, too large. We're like, what, what is that? You're, you're buying a pack of bananas. So we're like, how would that even be a problem? And then, you know, you saw these really impactful images of all of these fruit being buried in the ground really quite traumatic, but also just a little bit mind boggling. So when you're looking at these systems that exist and that have existed for a period of time that, you know, for whatever reason have been created this way to whatever logic has been substantiated, how do you choose what to focus on? Because obviously there are so many problems in the food system and you you've kind of obviously started a great initiative on chicken, but how do you look across the system to kind of select like which problem do you solve? That's a great question. I think, uh, I mean, we're, we're pretty focused on surplus grocery food from supermarkets. So that's where we kind of really collect and focus on as well as some food service. And then it's really looking at the, the total addressable markets. Where can we have the biggest impact as quick as possible? Mm-hmm. Our background is we can build infrastructure in every major city overnight, right? We built a telecom company that built telecom infrastructure in 40 cities in two and a half, three years. 
And so that monumental infrastructure development experience is exactly what we've now done with Do Good Foods. We have our first operating facility in, in Fairless Hills, Pennsylvania. We can now duplicate that in every major metropolitan area and help make a massive dent to food waste. Just in the first couple of months of, of, of that operating, we've already saved over a thousand metric tons of CO2 and over 10 million pounds of surplus grocery food from going to landfill. So it's duplicatable, it's scalable. And so when we look at then the, the chicken, we say, okay, as mentioned, if one out of every five pieces of chicken was a do-good chicken, it would enable me to build 50 of these facilities across the country, one in every major state, and upcycle close to 3 million tons of surplus grocery food every single year. That is a wow. massive undertaking. And yet, we would only create a million tons of dried feed per year. Chicken alone consumed 45 million tons of dried feed per year last year, right? Mm. So the magnitude is just, it's insane. And so when we start using our feed to then do chicken and then do some other animals as well, we'll be a small fraction in every one of these massive markets. But yet really where I keep driving towards is that Do Good Foods will be a hopefully a pioneering and a catalyst to showcase to companies like McDonald's and to showcase companies that are also growing other food and growing other animals that, hey, consumers care. They recognize the benefits of this. It's great for the environment. It's good for your plate as a consumer. And we need to do things at scale immediately. So when you said before that, you know, if you can scale the business and you had a presence in each of the 50 states and you built that infrastructure to enable that to scale, there's always the sustainability or or even the corporate critics who would say well then you're generating you know m more factories generating more co2 and there's this sort of this sentiment i i think from a purist sustainability perspective that it's never good enough like the solutions always have a flaw because we live in a flawed system so how do you tackle that from a business perspective but also from a personal perspective like how do you counter the critics I love having conversations with, with anyone from <laughs> vegans to, to let's talk about kind of factory farming to whatever it may be, right? And then to your point, that these environmental elitists, right? And I am 100% for the environment at all times, everywhere throughout my entire life. It's, it's my core passion. It's the sole reason I exist as a person is to try to bring to get to life sustainability at scale. And the at scale is the key and critical component of that. We do not have time to waste. We need all of the education and all the nonprofits and all the activists and all the plant-based proteins. And we need all of the, everything to come together. Oh. And it goes, keeps going back to these problems are so massive that not one person, not one company, not one solution, not one outcome is going to change the world. It's going to be stacked upon each other and we all need to collectively come together. So by the rallying cry, it is that I want every plant-based vegan, I want every activist, I want every NGO, let's all come together and every big corporation to come together and actually just sit at the table and say, how do we solve these problems now? That's realistic and, and rational with the current system. We're not just gonna turn off one thing because great, 99% of consumers just wanna keep eating good, quick food, right? And okay, so that's the reality of the current consumer. So when you talk about production facilities, our whole thesis is every day we get a little better. That, that we are not perfect, 
And that's kind of a, a powerful statement. It's like, great, every day our thesis is, can we get better? So we do buy 100% renewables for our production facility. We do track and trace all of the carbon intensity from the moment we pick up the food to the amount of miles we're driving to the kilowatt hours and the BTUs associated with our production process and the redistribution of that feedback and all of that. And so with all that, we are constantly analyzing the intensity of our carbon, the footprint, the emissions and everything. And so with that, yeah, I hope that we are one of the first companies that is pioneering electric trucks when they truly do become scalable and, and, and implemented. I hope that we are pioneering a bunch more things out there. And even our tray pack for our, our chicken breasts, their D-PET packaging, one more step more sustainable than our PET. So it's, we, we look at this and we have an amazing chief sustainability officer, Catherine Grenier, who has been kind of working in manufacturing and then Ruby uh, um, and then Rocky Mountain Institute. And we do have a full third-party verification agency, Ruby Canyon, that enables us to have the certain claims that we're talking about that got FSIS approval. Mm-hmm. And it's really about quantifying the positive output of our production facility, because I know how much food's going in and I, ho- I know how much feed is coming out, right? And so... I can track and understand those conversions at all time and to truly Mm -hmm. kind of have a quantifiable equation. And so that's a really powerful next iteration of this, where it's a measurable and understandable equation, which is actually in the back of my package that states that each do good chicken saves four pounds of surplus grocery food, thus reducing three pounds of greenhouse gases. I know because I'm, I'm including my feed at that inclusion ratio every single time. I've been on many other podcasts and even panels where I keep preaching even to some of the biggest NGOs, we need environmental realism. That's what can help really drive the solutions that we are all after. It's not Mm -hmm. pointing our finger and saying, you're the bad guy and I'm the good guy. It is great. You are where you are at. You're a big company and you now have the power to drastically change society for the positive immediately. If we got the 15 biggest companies in in the world aligned on something that was economically viable and scaled and easily implemented to their supply chain, hence what we're trying to pioneer at Do Good Foods, we could change society immediately overnight to a positive, not a negative. That's amazing. I mean, I can see that you're obviously very passionate about this topic. As you said, it's something that kind of fuels you as a person. It seems like there are a lot of things that you're working on at the moment. So I did a little bit of LinkedIn stalking on all of the different boards and panels and corporations that you're a part of or that you're running. So I've got here MEND, the leading biotechnology company focused on nutritional science. You're your um, co-founder, owner of that. Yep, of course. Why not? And then you're a board member on Earth Day Network. You're on the Young Leaders Institute, partner at the KDC, and of course, co-CEO at Do Good Foods. Okay, so two questions. One is, how do you find the time to do all of this? And secondly, what is it about that kind of diverse reach that you have across different ideas, platforms, innovations that motivates you? What has been amazing is that Everyone in the health and wellness, the food, the environmental, the agriculture space 
it becomes a small world pretty quickly as to mm. how all that interconnects. I think that's a really cool and powerful. One of my mentors, Ann Bamman, uh, former U.S. Secretary of Ag, and Sam Cass, who was Obama's former senior policy advisor for nutrition, kind of met them five years ago. And it was really their understanding, which was obviously way more advanced than mine, as to how the environment truly plays into human health, right? And, and, and everything in between that, from the foods that we eat to the access to, to good, high-quality proteins and, and produce, to the food deserts, to the in-school lunches, to the the, the fact that 86% of our healthcare costs are spent on chronic conditions and only 3% are spent on prevention. And part of my whole focus as a as a entrepreneur is I'm not the smartest kid in the room, but I can create a pretty damn good mission because I ask the question why, right? Why do we do things in certain ways? Most people can't answer it. Most people just say, let's well, the way we've always done it. Well, great. We didn't have an iPhone 20 years ago. It's not the way we've always done it, right? And so you can really take this kind of entrepreneur approach and say, okay, you start questioning, well, this seems kind of stupid, right? And so what what, what we helped pioneer with MEND is literally the question of how come no one's ever taken the top scientific approach and paired that with the best of plant-based nutrition, ran steps, now you're sitting here saying, great, we can, if we were to, keep, to create a healthcare system now from start, it would be a plant-based kind of pharmaceutical-like company, right? Well, cool, let's go, let's go create it. And yet still recognize that the pharmaceutical companies have been doing absolutely amazing work, right? Think about COVID. Think about all the, the disease states and all the other things that they are so freaking good at. But we go keep going back to, okay, well, consumers were not eating as healthy. There's a tremendous toll on the environment, and it's a tremendous toll on our healthcare system, which is really a sick care system. Okay, well, how do we disrupt a lot of that to the betterment of consumers, first and foremost, to working with the existing incumbents and making them, this is the right thing to do, this is profitable things to do, and here's what the consumers are really desiring. And what's been super powerful is that in each one of these companies, I've been able to go out and gather the top former executives of the incumbent companies because it's all of their recognition. You say, you know what? I've been doing this for 30 years and you're right. We, we do need to change. But uh-huh. recognizing that many of these existing incumbents are not going to do the change. It's going to be up to companies like ourselves and others to say, here is the, 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 the roadmap to change. And now I believe in order to do this at a scale that is timely enough to actually help solve society in the next 10, 20 years, we got to link that and hold hands and go do this together and to create that next iteration of our healthcare, our environment, or our food system at a massive level because they already have the supply chain set up. They already have the consumers. They already have the distribution and the scale. Let's go do it together. And that's what I kind of really preach to my team is that we're not against anyone. We are literally for everyone. Let's go. I want to go now. Like we don't have time to waste. <laughs> Move faster. So there's something you mentioned before. So working from the from within the current structure to be able to instigate scalable change. 
There was a Forbes article which quoted back in 2021 that 97% of respondents inside of business, big business, said that they have a sustainability project in place. Now, obviously, that doesn't then turn into action and the initiative. So for some reason, all of these sustainability goals, ambitions, visions, ESG passion points from within big organizations and all of these projects seem to fall through the cracks. So what advice do you have for people who are inside of the organization who are trying to really drive action? Yeah, and I, I, I know a lot of these people and uh, I would get the kind of personal calls from a lot of them saying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying and, and kind of banging the head against the wall. I think that the heads of sustainability are now having a much bigger voice. I think that the SEC rules and regulations that I believe are coming out shortly on scope three emissions and actually quantification of that. And if you do make a pledge, you got to do something about it. It's going to have a massive impact on real tangible outcomes that are necessary to truly drive it. I do worry about some of the greenwashing that's already kind of starting to happen and where that is going to go because We've seen marketing teams do this in every industry, from the tobacco to the climate change to the you name it. People are going to be self-interested in that way. And I do keep going back to the fact that society can change that overnight. You've seen people even just most recently, right? Big, well-known names that have said stuff that people have not agreed with and that has been detrimental to society. And there is becoming a massive backlash to that, rightfully so. And that's, I think, a powerful tactic that we as consumers hold, that we need to use it wisely. And that's another concern as to can we use it wisely? But I look at major corporations and, and the sustainability teams inside of it. A lot of it is often trying to gather even the right numbers. We talk to a lot of groups that, oh, well, we don't know. It's like, wait, well, isn't, isn't this your focus? Isn't your focus this aspect of the business? And you can't really quantify all of the ins and outs of it. And so I think it's, it's, it's breaking through all of that. No different than an entrepreneur. We have to break through a lot of established thought process and established uh, data collection capabilities and, pro and processes that are like, why are we doing this? Like we got, but yet you got to keep going and persevering through it because I think we are at a stage now where sustainability matters and it's becoming real and it's becoming quantifiable. And the moment that it starts hitting the pocketbook of some of these big corporations, the moment we have to have the right solutions available. Okay. Also reach out. I, I'm a one voice of many, but I'm willing to say things and be a little bit more bolder than I think most and trying to find the right solutions that are at scale. And we as a family have shown that for the past 30 years. I really like that. I have one last question for you, which is what your go-to is when you're trying to push yourself to look outside at what's unfamiliar. Love the question. And uh, I often have conversations with people that are outside of my current industry. And I think that's what actually inspires me and enables me to, as you mentioned, do what I do across a bunch of different companies. It's because we're constantly having different conversations and different 
sales process and different thought processes as to navigation of whether it be a, a food as medicine company or a seaweed based bioplastic company or do good foods or whatever it may be taking lessons and creativity to solve problems at an entrepreneur level. There is no book to read that tells you what you have to do to try to change the world or change an industry or to create a company. Every story and every brick that you keep laying is perseverance and adaption and understanding of that kind of never fail attitude. And I think with that never fail attitude, it constantly is then saying, okay, well, great. There might be a massive block here that I cannot get around. How do I figure out that quote unquote third door? And I think that's the most interesting dynamic that I always think about what's the third door. And what does that mean? It means that 99% of people, if you're thinking about a bar or restaurant, 99% of people will wait online for that door to open and for them to be let in. The half of the 1%, it's a VIP. They get the red carpet put out for them and they walk through the back door. The half of the other 1%, which I believe that as an entrepreneur I am, figures out that the cook is actually playing basketball every night at whatever basketball hoop down the street. <laughs> and I'm going to go there every night for the next two weeks and become friends with him. Whenever I'm stuck, whenever I have a problem, whenever I'm feeling kind of Okay, I got to figure this out. I, I, I constantly think, where's the third door? Amazing. Well, I think you've achieved great things so far, and I can't wait to keep watching what you do next. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, and, and you're doing amazing work at not only your corporation, but then uh, kind of having the voice that you do have and the platform that you do have. This is pretty special. Justin approaches environmental action in a really refreshing way. Thank you for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this topic, please follow and share. And as always, keep looking outside.